YouTube boxing family, what is up? Uh, looks like my homie Combat Toolbags popping on. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta tell him. Uh, I don't think his device is connected. But yeah, what's up, y'all? It's K right here. I'm back. I'm back with another, you know, good video. And uh, you know, I got, I got, um, you know, some uh, good chopping topics for boxing today, and um. Um, you know, like I got like my brother combat tool back. He's going to be happening, you know, today and we're going to be talking some boxing. Um, I'm going to tell him that your device isn't connected. connected. It says, um, the stream here. Stream. Yeah. So yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to. You know, uh, wait for combat tool bag. But till then, uh, salute to you, Jose Diaz. Thank you for coming by. Salute to the brother, Mr. Combat Tool Bag, aka Wise the Warlock. You know, the OG of boxing. He is a professional fighter. For those of you that don't know, please go. Please go support him. And uh, you know, I'll keep you guys updated with his future fights because you know. Uh, I can't. I can't wait for him to, you know, come back on to the ring. So, yeah. Um, hold on. Yeah, let me just. Uh, just uh, give me like one second, y'all. Hold on. Um, give me one sec. Still shows that here. On your screen, yeah. So, yeah. Either way, man. Um, 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking about you know Shakur Stevenson today, and we're going to be uh, chopping it up on some good uh, you know topics today, and um, yeah, you know, I can't I can't wait. Um, I have uh, some some good post fight thoughts about how I see this matchup going or how it went, but I think, um, you know, with everything that's been happening, you know, it's just been like a very, you know, interesting turn of like events. And obviously we have Joe Joyce and Parker today. So right now, like I'm watching like the female fight between Raven Chapman and Georgelina Guanini. So that's going to be a pretty good matchup. Uh, you know, they're, tussling you know it out right now yeah it's still not letting you hop in combat i don't i don't know what's going on yeah um wait hold on uh you know what maybe i could just like call you hold on uh yeah hold on let me just call you uh it's not working not working how about i call you I call you on IG. Maybe that, that will, will work. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna call combat and see see if that makes a difference. Alright. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a call and then if you guys can hear him, just you know let me know. Yo, what's up, bro? Nothing much. How's it going? Sorry about that. I'm I'm trying to connect several times. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't I don't know like what's going on, man. I think it's just like some weird um I think I think it could just be server connections, honestly, because if you have like a certain type of phone that's not connected with like, the StreamYard software, that might prevent you from hopping on. Otherwise, it should be like a one way public connection. Yeah, like um, when I was on uh, Skywalker's uh, live, he, he had put the link in the chat, and I went to his chat that way. Uh, I'm not sure if if you put the link in the chat, if it'll work that way, but I don't see why it would be different sending it via IG or via yeah. YouTube. But <laughs> typically when I click the link, it works, but I don't know why it's not showing now. <laughs> yeah, um uh tim actually joined let the panel so you know he's on what's going on scott hey how you doing brother yeah taking the wife out to the, the indian reservation out of town man go visit her family so little road trip oh oh yeah we're here at walmart right now bro let me show you <laughs> Get, getting ready for that trip yeah that's a walmart <laughs> I'm sure my wife went in there with the kids. I'm anti-social, man, with Walmart, bro. I'd be getting mad in there, bro. <laughs> yeah. I definitely yeah. dig it. <laughs> yeah, that was a good fight last night, man. Uh, Shakur dominated, huh? Yeah, he did really yeah, good. Yeah, man, it was a phenomenal card. It was a great card. All the prospects on it, man, are great, man. high Tucker, Shuku. That was a good card, bro. Yeah. I got a question. Can y'all order the uh, 
the fights from most impressive to least impressive? Okay. Um, man, Keyshawn Davis, bro. I'm telling you, kind of. I'm not. I think Shakur was was a little. I think it was the best performance of the night because them two, you could tell the skill level was way up there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I, I'd have to say because yeah, there wasn't that. I, I'd say because of the knockout, bro. We got a knockout. Uh, um, from Davis. You know what I'm saying? From Keyshawn. So I'm thinking Keyshawn and Shakur are neck and neck. Jahai Tucker had a. Had, I I just wanted to see more power. He did damn good he can move like he was slick with it you know what i'm saying like letting off combinations but he didn't really like like you know put out his opponent you know what i'm saying um shushu uh he had a hurt hand bro and then uh they had to cut his glove off and shit his hand was swollen um i think he did good and he he, he faced adversity like you know he faced some trouble you know what i'm saying and it came through it with no problems um Man, it was just a good card, bro. Uh, I don't know. What, who was your favorite fight last night? So, if I had to order it uh, for, like, most impressive to least impressive. Right. If Shakur wasn't uh, – if it wasn't a 12-round fight, Shushu would be number one. But I'm just going to order it properly. So, Shakur, number one, obviously, because he was fighting a gold medalist in Kansasial. Right. A lot of people say he's undefeated because they say he beat Valdez. So, you know, you're looking at an unblemished fighter with 18 and all. That's how I look at it, too. I'm like, if you look at where I wanted to look at it, the issue is Kinsasial didn't show us the same Kinsasial we were used to seeing. Robeson is a lot more slicker, a lot better of a boxer than he displayed. He was very sloppy last night. He was lunging and reaching, and, and that is not – what I'm used to seeing from him. I, I'm used to seeing him close the distance effectively. But, I, I, I mean, we'll get into breaking it down. But Shakur, number one, because uh, right. of the challenge. Um, number two would be Shushu for me because he displayed that with uh, – uh, Right, what uh, I was saying, yeah, that he came through uh, he some problems, still, came through it, yeah. Yeah, he could, he could still show us that he's not only – he, he not only will survive the fight, but he'll still dominate the fight. So that was impressive. Like, whereas, like, when Tank hurt his hand, he went from winning the fight to right. just coasting, you know, to just trying right. to coast. His shit was perfect. Yeah. yeah, Tank shit was jacked. Still yeah. guy, you know? Yeah. On falls um, third, and then uh, Jahai Tucker uh, fourth, only because Keyshawn at uh, the what four or five fights he has, the guy had thirty fights. Granted, he's not he's not super lethal, super deadly, but the guy right. still has much more experience. So so there are little things that Keyshawn wasn't used to seeing. And right. then Jahai Tucker, like I liked I like the boxing ability of Jahai Tucker. I just I'm not <laughs> with all of these guys and I and I say this with all respect, but with all of the prospects the level of cockiness needs to come down at least 50-fold. Like, like confidence is good, but the yeah. level of confidence, like, I mean, of cockiness they have, like, like they're, they all present themselves to be world beaters, and then we see them, and we're like, like, let's be real, Jahai Tucker, what uh, weight class was that? Uh, Walter. Yeah, Walter. Like, come on now. Like, who is he beating at, at 147? Like, if he yeah. was in there with the top guys right now, Mark Reyes, who is he Mark Reyes standing was. in with? 
Like, he's young. I think he needs development. I think like uh, his boxing ability is great, bro. That kid's been. In, I know. Uh, I know his uncle. I know his. Uh, do you know Showtime Shaw? Combat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Showtime yeah, Shaw. Yeah. yeah. Showtime Shaw. That's his uh, uncle, bro. That's his promotional manager. Oh, so I've been following him. But but man. I, I like to see him more. I like him see him grow yeah. into to that man body, bro, and get some of that power. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, everything else is good. I'm just going based off of what I seen last night. Like, just going based off of what I seen last night. Yeah. I don't see him being like he was doing this. Like, feed me. Like, 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 Tiger Johnson is a threat at 147 from what right. he's played to us. Now, I don't know the level of like like when the level of competition we saw yesterday. Dude was able to actually press him. So I feel like as opposed to taunting and telling them to come and meeting them in the corner and stuff like that little bingo, how about you go kick his ass and bring him out of there instead of like, like, I'm not saying he's missing anything. I just need to see more. And I felt like everyone had a very, like, they kind of made a statement. She made a statement. Regardless of if I got a hurt hand or not, I'm going to demolish him. Keep on. Regardless of which, what amount of, uh, First of all, I want to say F you to Antoine Cobb. You are garbage. You should have lost both of your fights to Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips destroyed you. That's number one. I didn't see that one, bro. Is that on the first fight I seen was Jahai Tucker and on, bro? Uh, I, yeah. I tuned in at 8 o'clock Eastern, your time. Yeah, uh, Jahai... Uh, Jahai... Um, I will talk about him soon, but the second worst fight had to been, I probably say, the, hmm, I'll say Pablo Valdez and Noe Alejandro Lopez. Like I don't, I don't yes. really, I don't really like Pablo too much because one, he's connected with Edgar Berlanga, and knowing that Berlanga's peoples, you know, he probably knows, you know, about Conor Loco a lot, and uh, you know, there's like some 
somewhat bad blood, you know, with that type of stable um, that probably knows, okay. like, you know, some of us out here, but I don't, I don't really like Pablo Valdez too much, but um, um, his opponent just basically came down to get knocked out. He wasn't, he wasn't making any effort to like try to win the fight. And I just don't really like how top rank matchmaking tries to say that, you know, they're the best in the game of matching up good fights, but you know, at, um, at the um, end of the day, they're really not, you know, top, top rank matchmaking is like, like in my opinion, it's really garbage because I've been to two top rank fights. I've been to the Joe Smith jr. Steve Gefford fight. And I've been to the Edgar Berlanga and the Alexis um, Angulo fight. And I will tell you from my own, you know, perspective, those fights are easily matched up to be like basically, you know, lopsided fights where they're, yeah, yeah, where their promoted fighter is there to either stop their opponent or just beat them up where they don't get touched up that much. So, yeah, um, there's a reason. The fighters are pretty good, man. And yeah. they give a pretty easy comp, bro, in the beginning. I like – they do have some good competition fights, bro, but they kind of wait till their their fighters are already developed. Like, they've already got, like, a name for them. You know, they're branding their fighters, bro. So, I understand what they're doing on the business side. But at the same time, yeah, we, we us fans like the, the competitive fights. You know what I'm saying? I think – can I jump in there, too, real quick? Just I, – I, I agree with what you guys there. I would – they're good at matchmaking the fighters they're building they're stars and that's it and I, and, and, and it's, it's partially what you were saying and what you were saying sky and that's they're not they're not testing their prospects at all and it's like once you give them typically um all, all of the stars leave and that's when they start to get tested and then that's when we see what real quality of a fighter they are but i would say they have good matchmaking for the ability to build their fighters, which is just giving them guard hands. But back to you, hey, Rob, my, my bad. Yeah. But the, but, but the biggest takeaway from it is that you're paying like 50 to almost $100 a ticket to go see notable names on a card. So you would expect like, the fight to be leveled match opponents, but it's really not. Like, these are either yes. fighters that are coming from the other side of what the world to get beat up for a lesser bag, or it's their, you know, hyped up fighter that's going to be paid good beating up on competition that's going to give them some potential resistance, but it's really not going to go to the point where they're going to end up getting stopped or getting beat up. If you had an opportunity, like, 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 you know, in the future, bro, and you start, you start uh, whooping, whooping ass and moving up, bro. And PBC comes up to you, top rank comes up to you, and the zone comes up to you. PBC offers you the lowest, top rank offers you uh, in the middle, the zone offers you the most. What would you do? The zone. Because, <laughs> like, think about it. Like, I'll even I'll even use Raymond Ford. He's been fighting literally <laughs> nobody's, but you can easily tell that he's satisfied where he's at because he's been on big cards. The zone's been giving them good money. And then on top of that. Nonito and Rachel, they love Pro Bellum, bro. They love Richard Schaefer. They say that they treat they treat them like fucking royalty and that they're so good to them. They've never been been crooked to them. Like, you know, have a good relationship. 
you know, because because no needle has legendary mm. status at this point. At that point, yeah, uh, you're gonna get treated like that. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, I understand yeah. you're gonna get treated like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you feel me? Like he's literally an exception to the rule because he's one of the greatest right. writers to, to, to and, and, and like history. You feel me? So he's going to get good treatment from PBC, Top Ring, uh, yeah, uh, any other guy, the zone, yeah. any other guy. But I feel like from the guys coming up, like the, the guys coming up, I would agree. Like, um, I don't know, like like the zone, they have a, a setup where A, they're, they're, they're giving their fighters the money. And they're giving their fighters a platform. And I don't mean a platform like Showtime or Fox or uh, Top Ring where it's on the like biggest network in the world, but they're giving them a platform where the, the, the up and coming fighters are fighting on cards of bigger fighters. So they're still getting eyes on them that, that they wouldn't get on them unless they were on a big platform such as Fox or Showtime or ESPN. So right. I think again, Nolito is, is an exception to the rule with Probellum because if we look at um, Regis Progress scenario, or if you look yeah. at the other yes, yes. to MTK Global, that, that it, it makes it touchy and feely, you know, because yeah. with the affiliation with David Cunningham, a lot of people would want to stay away from it. And I think, again, no legal Donaire is an exception to that rule because he has great disposition in the sport. Yeah, but yeah, they always stay, you know, they talk highly, and I always respect, you know, anybody, if they're, if they're in a good relationship with their promoter or manager, I'm never <laughs> going to ask these shady questions to them, be like, hey, because I did ask, I asked Donito about Daniel Kinahan, bro, and they interviewed him right away, bro, like he knew him, and he had never met the guy in his life, you know what I'm saying, and uh, they were interviewing, asking him if he knew about the situation, and I'm like, he's like, oh, bro, <laughs> so. See, and I wouldn't ask him, I Personally, I wouldn't ask no you know, anything about Daniel Cunningham because I wouldn't want to tie him to anything that yeah. I forgot who did. But, we had a panel going, bro. Rachel, bro, she told us, man, man, she stayed on our show for like two hours and she told us like everything that, about you know, the current that situation. That confirms what I had uh, my suspicions about Probellum when they first came into Inception after, like, not after, but right. I mean, we're not claiming to inception, but came to prominence right after the PC Global disbanded. And it was like, they're basically confirming that here from the horse's mouth with, with no deal, who's in contract with them, that, that A, Dan, Dan, Daniel Kinahan is involved. And then B, right. what's, the, what's the restrictions that come with that in fighting in America? Yeah. yeah. So it just makes it a, a touchy a touchy scenario. That's why I personally would like yeah. it's like answering your question that you asked before. Like if you were being built up as a fighter and so and so after the least to to the most, even if Probellum, like and Richard Schaefer, who's well known, like has great resources, I would be very cautious of that only because right. of the, the, the legal affiliation. Hey, check this out. I'm friends with uh, with uh, uh, Casimero too, right? So he's got a situation with Sean Gibbons where he left Sean Gibbons and, and MP Promotions, you know, the Filipino promotional, the ones that had uh, Pacquiao and all that. So uh, he left them, bro. Left them on a contract, bro. 
So he's got legal issues. They're going to be suing him, right? So he's in the UK. He's got he's like Mike Tyson, bro. He's got legal issues. They say that he he uh, sexually assaulted a, a girl in his hotel, and and the girl was seventeen, and it's some bullshit, bro. And uh, but the dude, he's a great fighter, right? He's on his rise. They wouldn't let him fight. He's always having problems. They wouldn't let him fight. Uh, who's anyway fighting Butler? Yeah, he wouldn't let him fight Butler because he used a sauna, bro. And I guess the UK has a rule on cutting weight where they can't use a sauna. What? Yeah, so they wouldn't let him fight. That's the reason why he couldn't fight. And he's still stuck in the UK. He always goes live. Follow him on YouTube, man. He has his own channel. And uh, so the guy's got issues, problems. He's a great fighter. Supposedly, he's going to have a fight in December. And, like, like you look at his box rank, he fought everybody, bro. And, like, he was on the rise, bro. To become, he was going to get that fight with Inouye. He would have beat Butler. That would have been the fight. It would have been uh, Japan and Philippines again. It would have been Casimiro and, and Inouye, bro. But uh, I would have liked to see that just because he beat my guy, Rigo. You know, it's like, so I naturally have, like, and and it's, no, it's nothing against Casimiro. It's just I, was, I really was really, really, right. like, to after that result, I would have yeah. loved to see um, basically another quality in that and in any way, and that would have been dope as hell too. But no, really? anyway, gave us one of the best international let alone one of the best light, light, like you know, bantamweight matches in history. Right, as America would have done a good job too. I just, I, I'm sorry, I think. Uh, I think Casimiro, like, once out of the, the, the legal conflict, he woke up to see what his real merit is. Because he beat Rigo. I, I respect him for that, and that cannot be taken away. Now I want to see, like, as someone who has an open mind watching him, who wasn't a fan before, like, what he's fully capable of. Right. Yeah, man. Um... Right. Yeah, he's got a crazy situation, but you would think like any promoter would want to pick him up. But since he's got all the issues, they're kind of they're hesitant of, of you know what I mean, making a deal with him. Yeah, and that's 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 the hurt piece about it because it's like you come off of the biggest fight of your career, being a two-time gold medalist, and then all of these legal problems surround you. And I think part of it is that that part, part of it is some of that comes with the game, like. Um, yeah. Javante Davis just had the hit and run, and um, and that's going to be a yeah, let's go to court and it's in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, that, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's a conflict of interest for his fight in December, and then when you look at Casimiro, who did everything right in the ring, his right. his out of the ring quote unquote activities. I say quote unquote right. is alleged. His activities out of the ring are are now a conflict of interest for his um his progress. Career. And that yeah. sucks. It really sucks because I'm sure he's in the gym. I'm sure he's working. I'm sure he's yeah. Ready. Yeah, I gotta get going, guys. My wife's rushing me. She says, Let's go. <laughs> Say hi, to everybody. Hello. Say hi, dude. Say that again. Oh, my wife's rushing me to go, man. I gotta drive, bro. And I won't be able to hear you with this AC, man. But Say hey, hi, man. babe. Thank you, bro. Thank you for stopping by. See you later. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we're in the car. But yeah, uh, I'll be getting that gear from you soon, bro. Uh, I'm going to be rocking it on my show, bro, soon. So, <laughs> Hey, K-Rod, he's got a nice shirt, bro. Yeah, those champion shirts, bro. I want to get a bag, too. Yeah, I'm cool, gonna... bro. 
Yeah, like I like to get some of that stuff too. I get paid Friday, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that merch. My wife owes me shirt. I need me. I need me oh, like sorry, a boxing gym. Yeah, my wife uh, it was my birthday, so I told her I wanted some boxing shirts, man. <laughs> she was trying to give me that. Give me that, another DJ shirt. I got. I gotta give me. Like, I gotta give me some too. Yeah, you got good gear, bro. Real nice. Connor Loco has gear on there too. Yes, sir. Cool, man. Support the brothers. All right, man. I'm gonna head out. I gotta go to the Navajo Reservation. <laughs> you guys have a blessed hey, day. Hey, definitely enjoy your time, man. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm gonna try to catch this top rank card. Hopefully, I got service out there. So, or I mean, not top rank, but matchroom card. Yeah. Cool, man. It's a the, um, undercar right now, but definitely travel safe, bro. Have a good one. You too, bro. Cool, man. Bye. K. K. Rod. Yes, sir. I didn't mean. I didn't. I, I, neither of us meant to interrupt your uh, order from worst to best, but continue. So I got the top. Let's press on people's mind. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, let's get right into it. Um, the very, very worst fight out of the entire fight, in my opinion, was uh. Definitely Pablo Valdez and Noe Alejandro Lopez, in which I originally had Antoine and Jalen, but you know they're both. Well, I don't I don't like Antoine Cobb, but yeah, he should um, he should have lost both fights um, to uh, Jalen, and then the third worst fight out of this card. Hmm, I probably will go with. Um, Probably Misael Lopez and Orlando Capo Gonzalez. It's not. It's not the shade on, on Orlando, but Misael Lopez. He's a decent fighter, but he's not like a super duper world beater type of fighter. But Orlando, he was supposed to get the job done to to stop him or just beat him. But I actually thought Orlando could have edged this fight. Um, it's just that. Misael in like the later rounds either could have edged it out slightly or Orlando should have won that fight. So either way, like Kapu, he's a good fighter. It's just that he has to work on certain things to not to not allow himself to get hit in the exchanges for him to lose, you know, those close rounds. But right. either way, he's a good fighter. It's just that I, I just don't see that many improvements. Cause like I was there for his last fight uh, back in June for Puerto Rican Day Parade at the Madison Square Garden, but from what I could tell with this fight, it's just like he didn't get any better from that from that knockout victory. I mean, it wasn't even like a knockout; it was like a very weak, you know, um, referee stoppage. But still, it's just like you know, like I said, top top rank matchmaking is, in my opinion, garbage matchmaking. So it's like. You yeah. don't know what you're gonna expect coming from, you know, coming from like another opponent that's gonna walk in there and, you know, beat you, you know, beat you up or just barely beat you on a, you know, like you know, in a very close fight. So, agree. You know, you have to be ready. You know, like I'm not, like you know, I'm never going to say that you can't win a close fight, but you know, the thing is, is like everybody's too hyped up on being like a Floyd Mayweather where they want this undefeated record. But it's like, you know, boxing is not a, you know, high, high level, you know, you have to be perfect type of type of athletic sport. You know, boxing is a ring of fire, heavy level endurance sport where, 
you know, every fight could be your last, but you should never look at your fights to say that I'm just going to blow through everybody because you may win some and you may lose some. But that's why, uh, well, you know, that's why, you know, when you look at other combat sports like wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA, those athletes don't care about wins and losses because, you know, you just get better from it naturally. You know, that's what I went through when I was in high school doing wrestling. But, you know, the thing is, is I think people are so enamored with having a undefeated record in boxing that people try to act like your favorite fighter can't lose. And it's like, you know, that's just such a mentally retarded, weak, you know, mindset to have because it's like either, you know, you're not like a true boxing fan for the fighter that you like or you just don't care, like, you know, about the sport where, some people have to win and some people have to lose. And regardless if that person wins or loses, you know, that doesn't mean that the other fighter is better than them. They just got them, you know, on a bad night or, you know, on their best night. And that person just came to fight, you know? I agree. There's a stigma with, with that, that, that Floyd stigma where it's like, you're, you're only good if you're undefeated and, and everyone outside of that is bummed. But if we look at it from, uh, a legacy standpoint, for, for the most part, most of the undefeated people in this day and age are prospects who haven't fought anybody. And yeah. if we look at the grand scheme of boxing, the bigger picture, all of our favorite, all of our favorite fighters have lost, if not multiple losses. And we're talking about favorite and then the general consensus or the greatest, um, the uh, greatest on paper, like Ali, the the Foremans, and the Ray Leonard's and Tony the Hagler, Tubbs, like all of them. Michael Nunn, all these, all yeah, these classical. Tony. Yeah. yeah um, it's like. Julio Chavez, Salvador Sanchez. None of these guys were undefeated. Diego all Corrales, Edwin Valero. Um, uh, Jose uh, Castillo. Um, Tito uh, Trinidad. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. Tito Trinidad. Uh, Rick Um. It, it, they they all have losses, but it's like it's it's just that that Floyd stigma. But again, I I didn't mean to interrupt your recap of the night. It's just I had to piggyback on that. Yeah, but it's like even like you know even for you, you know, I'm still gonna support you whether you win or lose. But it's like even you know even though that you go through like your battles of trying to be better, that like like that's what gives me the respect to keep supporting fighters like that because. You're like a throwback fighter. You don't care what the outcome is. You care about just being the greatest of what you can be, right? Yes. So. Absolutely. Shit. You know that's why that I'm like an old throwback type of student. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not. I'm not that type of person where I expect every fighter to be perfect. But if you could show me the effort of going back to your roots and going back to the, going back to the drawing board whether you win or lose your fight to, to keep getting better and just keep showing like a different level above your future, you know, like, like, you know, upcoming like opponents. And that's all that I can really ask for just to be like a dedicated fan. I agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with like the other fights, uh, the, um, least performance fight that I had ranked for number four, would be uh definitely Floyd Diaz versus that Martinez dude. Like I like Floyd a lot, but I think Floyd he's like a little bit too overhyped and um 
even though he's 19 years old, it's just like I can I could already see what Top Rank is gonna do with them. You know, either they're gonna try to like hype him up to be like this Mexican version of Floyd Mayweather, but I don't I don't really see his scaling being high, especially in the bantamweight division, because once uh you know Naoya Inoue moves up and I'm pretty sure like after Gary Antonio Russell, he gets through whatever he needs to get through to become a champion, in which I do believe that. Uh I think I think Bantamweight's just gonna be a very deadly division because um yes, sir. you know um especially everybody coming up from super flyway up you know up to bantamweight and especially at the super bantamweight division which i do believe floyd he'll probably campaign at that division soon but either way like i just don't i just don't see like this great talent that people try to put put in front of my face about him like he's a great talent it's just that he just has like a lot of climbing to do yeah um and the other fight that 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 i was like least uh you know, you know, um, impressed about was uh, Jahai Tucker against Jose Sanchez, and um, I was I was very surprised that Sanchez took his shots very well because I thought Sanchez was gonna knock out Jahai because he because he was hitting him with some bombs. That's what I was saying. Like again, I didn't interrupt with him, but I was just like, I didn't see this um, separation in in like upper echelon skill level and an opponent with that fight. I seen a, basically an evenly yoked fight because so I was like, I didn't get the taunting that Jahai Tucker was doing where he was getting beat in some exchanges and he was getting hit hard. So I was just like, how about you win the fight first when you start celebrating? But I mean, the thing is, is like, he thinks he's going to be like this, I don't know, like, to me, he's like equivalent to Chris Colbert. Like, he's just... He's just like this super flashy guy thinking that he he's going to come in there, take everybody's head off, and nothing's going to happen to him. But the minute he gets hit with like a really good shot, I guarantee you he's going to literally be waiting to be knocked out on a highlight reel KO. Because it's like, he, <laughs> like, like, dude, he just doesn't, like, he doesn't show anything good, you know, to me. Like, he's very flat-footed. He just stands right in front of yeah, you. There's nothing spectacular. Like, Nothing spectacular. Also, on top of that, don't you see how you know they're they're only matching him up with guys that just stand right in front of him? The only person, right? Yeah, the only person so, that has ever moved around was probably, you know, um, like I probably say um, Akeem Black, but that's pretty much it. Oh, and also uh, Tracy Magruder. Tracy Tracy Magruder was giving yeah. some some tough rounds, but. After that, that was pretty much it. Like, I mean, everybody else has just standing, had just stood, you know, right in front of him, and he's just been able to just, you know, get away with it to like try to hurt hurt them, you know, with like a one big shot, and then try to get like a knockout, you know. And I think, like you said, the comparison to Chris Colbert is very fitting. And it's no offense to him. I don't mean it's any like this. I think the comparison to Chris Colbert fits because. Chris Colbert is a slick boxer. He's a very good boxer. He doesn't have any um, astronomical power, and he doesn't have any extremely crazy special effects. It hints the gimmicks. And then when you look in in the other direction, Jahai Tucker, it's like you see a good boxer. You see someone who doesn't have spectacular power. You see someone who doesn't have spectacular move work. I mean, foot movement or or crazy special effects. 
like you you, you get this the, the the overarching conceitedness, the same conceitedness from both guys. <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like he just needs to keep improving in the gym and. I think eventually, you know, we'll start to see him do more. But it's just like I just, I just don't see what I'm seeing right now. And I think like, especially you know, in the welterweight division, you know, it like you know, there's way too many killers in the welterweight division. And I can like you know, I can I can name like five people that can easily knock him out right now. Like Mark Reyes Jr. Exactly. Yeah, Mark <laughs> like Mark Reyes Jr. Uh, who's that other guy from Florida? He's a really, really good fighter. Um, Henry Brown, right? Um, yeah. Yo, he's a killer. Um, uh, Janelson Figueroa, like you know, even though he got beat by the, you know by that other dude that's trained by Coach Chino Rivas. Um, uh, that other fighter named um, Oh man, he's like I think like ten and zero. I forgot what his name is. Oh, and mind you, you're. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Paul Kroll. Paul Kroll would knock him out, too. And mind you, you're, you're naming people um, at or close to his level. You, you you didn't even name the contenders or champions at the division. No. So it's like, or, or even <laughs> the prospects. So it's like, dude, like, you have a long way to go to feel before you start feeling like you're that dude. That's why I feel like in comparison. <laughs> like, like, when you look at him, Guy Tucker, and then Tiger Johnson, you got oh yeah 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 like i heard about that i heard about that you know yeah so you got that and then him giving spectacular performances where he's showing he's a class of love i'm saying that to say no disrespect jahai tucker better stay away from delante delante johnson (laughs) yes sir yeah yeah he better stay away from him I say that to say, with all respect, that like there's a lot more development needed before you start securing your world here. Like you can have dogmen, you 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 want to fight anybody out there, but those aren't the things that I'm hearing. I'm essentially hearing I'm untouchable. I'm the best. I'm the greatest out there, and you're in the one of the and you're in one of the most deadly divisions with people who are already prospects who are more popular and more deadly from what we can see. Then there's contenders above that. Then there's champions above that. So it's like you you really have to – there's a lot more to prove, I think, for him. And maybe we're both being a little critical – I mean, a little hard on him, but it's a hard division to succeed in. So you have to be, you know? Yeah. So that's my take on him. And, I mean, like, what is going to happen once he gets up there in, like, the top 10 or top 100, like – I don't. I don't the see Jamal him. Davis, the Ugas is the like. Come on, man! Yeah, like, it's the, like contenders. Like, yeah, but it's like once that division is cleared out, like you know, once Arrow Spence is gone, once Ugas and Thurman are gone, and probably Jerron Ennis, like the next line of welterweights, especially coming from one like one forty and and below, that's going to be a very yeah, that's gonna be a very deadly division for Jahai Tucker. Like Subriel I can, Matias. Yeah, Subriel Matias, um, um uh, Gary Shenard. Russell. Um there's Ooh. a uh there's another good fighter. His name is uh, uh um Shenard Bunch. Um I think he fights at 140, but he's a killer once he moves up to welterweight. And um 
I'm pretty sure he's fought at welterweight before, but it's like guys like that coming from 140 that have like a good frame for 147. And on top of that, they have a lot of power and a good chin because like that's basically what you have to have when you come into the welterweight division. Uh, Mark Agreed. Ray has told me that in the past, you have to have a good chin and you have to have a good punch because if you don't have that, then it's basically game over because it's not to say that you can't dominate the welterweight division without having deadly power. Uh, but the thing is, is like these are guys that are rehydrating, like rehydrating to at least maybe middleweight or super welterweight. So it's like, Preach. yeah, they're like super nah, soldiers middleweight or higher Middle, middleweight or super middleweight. Yeah. Let's, let's speak facts. I mean, yeah, welterweights are not small people. Were more than one sixty. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say welterweights are not small people. They're they're very ginormous fighters, and you know, especially when you move up in weight in those higher weight classes, those guys are not coming in at the same weight. They're coming in at least fifteen to twenty to twenty plus pounds, like you know, over their actual weight. Yes, sir. So those punches are not feeling, you know, like the same punches. You know, they're very destructive punches that could really end your life or definitely, you know, make you not perform as good heading into like future fights. So that's why like, you know, it's, it's, it's highly necessary to take, take your time when you step up, you know, but the opposition, cause some of those guys just don't play like around, you know, they be, they be coming in to like really hurt you. Right. And you got to think it's, it's probably the most balanced division in boxing because you have the you have the super skilled boxers, but you have to have essentially both some some really good skill and some really some really respectable power of welterweight because that's as big as you can be before you're actually at the middle of all of the division, which which would be the start of middleweight. So you have to be literally um a strong, basically the the uh, strongest of of the little guys because this is the last welterweight would be the last of of the little guys division because right above that is junior middleweight and middleweight. So if you don't have pop, you're going to, you're, you're going to be Pauli Malinaki, right? And then if much. you don't have a chin, you're going to be Pauli Malinaki. So it's uh -huh. like you have to make something shape. And what we're seeing, just to tie it back in, the high Tucker, he has skill, but he's not necessarily showing us the power to, that's respectable enough to keep guys honest. Keep you guys running at them, you know? So, yeah yeah and on top of that you know you're just like you know like if you're not putting yourself in there with guys that are going to physically you know put you in a bad place then that's really where the, the issue lies because like you're not you're not putting yourself in a good position where you're not in there to actually go to war with somebody but if you're coming into your fights being all comfortable and and just thinking, oh well, this guy he's not gonna do anything to me. I'm just gonna roll right through him. Then that's a really bad mindset to have because once you get offered to fight for like a title contention placement, and you're not breeding yourself with the deadly level opposition that will put you into deep waters, then that's yes. just game over. You know, like you can't tell me like, oh no, like you know, you can get up to like a world title by just fighting like a bunch of bums. No. You can't fucking do that. And then even when you do, yeah, like, I mean, like, I'll just use, like, a guy like, 
man, who was that one guy that was just so overhyped? But like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, uh, Gotti, mm. Gotti, probably Arturo Gotti or Mickey Ward. Yeah, 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 like, 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 I'll use um Arturo Gotti, even though that I like him a lot, and he was like one of my favorite fighters that I liked, but. He he was touted to be like the next big thing. He he was taking over 140, right? But then you know the minute he gets stomped by like heavy level opposition that 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 um nobody doesn't talk about. It's like you know hit you know like you know his skill set slowly depletes over time, and he doesn't look as good against like low tier opposition. So it's like like you know you could tell that Arturo Gatti he's not. You know, he like, you know, he wasn't as good as people try to make him out to be. But it's like, you know, you know, looking at his resume, he's been he's been fed weaker opposition leading up to like a world title. And then once he gets. Yeah. Once he gets cooked by world like by world title level, you know, opponents, then that's where his skill set just slowly went downhill because he wasn't able to keep up. So, I mean, that's just like a clear example of if you're not game bred with high level opposition then your skill sets are, are automatically going to go down. And, you know, that's okay. why... That's a point. Yeah, that's why that I don't like guys like Terrence Crawford and all these, like, weird-ass fighters that don't want to fight high-risky like high risky opponents, and then they call themselves pound-for-pound pound fighters, and they're not putting in all this work. Like, guys like Errol Spence, Devin Haney, Deontay Great. Walter... Like you know, those guys are actually putting in, putting in, you know, what the work to be, to be recognized in the sport forever. But you know, for all these like weird ass overhyped fighters, um, like Crawford and those guys, like you know, they're dipshits. You know, like I don't, I don't like them. You know, like, it's the uh, same with me. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's literally the same with me because there are two paths. There's a crossfighter path and there's a legacy fighter path. And, and, and both paths get, get you paid, so there's no reason to actually keep a prize fighter pet. Because by definition, all fighters are prize fighters. So if you're not going for legacy, then you're only going for the bag, and you're acting like Tank Davis and Terrence Crawford, where I want the money and I don't want no names. Until people force you to fight a name, and then you'll fight people past their prime, and only enough to get people off your back. But then you have a legacy fighter who, regardless of the outcome, regardless of um, the opposition, he wants the best. So naturally, I'm going to respect the Jordanian boss because he's calling out boots after losing the Earl Spence. Oh, really? What does that say about that man's character? Oh, yes. What does that say about that man's character? Though he can't win that fight. <laughs> Though he can't win that fight. What hey, that you never know. Character? You never know. Ugas... Right, right, right. Wait, you never know. You wait, never... if, if but... Ugas... If Ugas comes back really strong, you know, like, you know, after, you know, like an Errol Spence, you know, defeat, and he looks just as good as he did in that fight against Boots, that could be a very potential losable fight for Jerron. Because the reason why I say that is that Ugas, he's a big, big welterweight. And if he could hurt Jerron Ennis with that pressure, that, that you know, that fight of its own could, could easily you know, turn, you know, but the tables, theoretically. Yes. Now, granted, I think he could hurt Jerron Ennis. The issue is who is going to get hurt first in that fight, and that will be Ugas because of the speed and power and size of Boots because Boots 
is five ten and a half. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not a small welterweight by any stretch. And then yeah. he has the longest streak to have welterweight after uh Bud. But like going into that fight, someone who has like two guys have that's what makes that style matchup very interesting because you know that's what the type of matchmaking fighters should should always go through like i always like it when two fighters that have beef with each other like when they actually do test each other out and then you know that fight ends up being like a bloody war like you know that's a very good uh you know stylistic matchmaking to have because even though that you don't know who's gonna win that fight or based off of like how people want to bet you know the odds of that fight that fight is very um like you know very um unpredictable to the point where you know that one fighter's punch can easily change like the entirety of that fight yes sir yeah um performance uh do you do you think this is a good performance or do you think he fought a little bit too um you know, relaxed, or he just didn't have the right mindset? My issue is, I think, I, I'll start by saying it was a great performance, only because, and granted, that's a statement, it was a great performance because Sensational um, did most of the work in making Shakur look better than this. Sensational was sloppy, Sensational was not concise, you understand, he was off, off. Like that was not a gold medal, a gold medalist performance. He was doing reaching, lunging. Um, he was mainly looking for the two. He was the, yes, the holding. Oh my goodness, the holding. Yeah, he but didn't. He, he didn't want that, to fight. That <laughs> Say that again. Nah, he just came in there just just holding Shakur. He didn't want to fight him. You know, you know, he got he got outclassed. It was after Shakur landed a power shot. He was like, "Whoa!" And he proved. He had the same reaction that I had, except he actually felt it. Whereas I, I told uh, OG Loco that both uh, Stacey are stronger than Shakur Stevenson. I said that with, with like, emphatically. I said that, like, uh, confidently. I was proved wrong thoroughly, and so was Robeson in the, in the ring last, I mean, last night, because when Shakur landed on Robeson and Stacey, I said, I can't watch this guy. People can't saying he tried to box him from the outside no he tried he was trying to knock Shakur out from the outside because he was like okay so Shakur is stronger than me so I have to stop him I can't box with this guy I have to try to stop him he kept shooting that looping wide overhand uh right which is like the six in boxing but he was like swinging it like a slap and punch and granted he landed it a couple times but not cleanly and when you look at what Shakur was doing there or someone who sees an opponent in front of them who says, I can't box with this guy, you have two options. You have one option, and that's to outbox him, and that's the way out which most people would criticize Shakur for. And then you have option B, which is, I'm going to press this guy out and test his his heart. And Shakur 
granted, Shakur didn't um, show his his magnificent lateral movement. He didn't show his um, his mastery of range in that fight, like 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 he typically does. But what Shakur did was press on the front foot, like he did um, against uh, Jamel Herring. and that's what a lot of people said he could not do. And that's why I say from a uh, standpoint of if we're criticizing his performance and actually being objective, what he was able to do to Jamel Herring was almost, almost predictable because Jamel Herring is not the strongest 130-pounder. But I feel Robinson Casasial probably was one of, if not the most, strong 130-pounder and he created Shakur on his ass. I mean, Shakur didn't take a back step. Shakur was pulling, rolling, and slipping, but always in punch range. That's when Shakur showed me a different style last night, more of a James Tony-esque style than when, if you see the Joet Gonzalez or Natalia fight, those fights showed his footwork and his angles and showed that I can all box you and I don't have to engage. But last night, he said, I'm at, I mean, no, at the win, he said, I'm going to beat your ass. And last night we seen him beat his head. So that's my take on that. Yeah, same here. Um, he did he did what he was supposed to do, but I do believe that he was a little bit too timid in what he was trying to do to Consacio. And I think it was just due to the to the to I think him missing weight, and then he probably came into that fight a little bit embarrassed, but. Either way, like, you know, that doesn't really, like, say that, oh, well, just because I missed it means, like, you know, I'm going to be mentally drained coming into, like, the fight. But, no, like, you know, he, like, you know, he did a tremendous job. Um, he he uses jab beautifully. Um, he yeah. uses footwork immensely. Um, he definitely made Consacio miss a lot. Uh, I was a bit upset that Consacio headbutted him where he had that big Hatoma on his forehead. Um, oh, yeah. But either way, uh, Shakur, Shakur did a good job. Um, he, he definitely needs to work on his footwork more and, and the defense more um, because I do believe, like, once he once he goes up to to 135 and, like, faces, like, the guys, you know, by the likes of, like, Tank and Devin and maybe Loma, um, I, think, I think Lomachenko, he would – probably stop him or, or just probably beat him off of points. But Gervonta, uh, you know, with that version of Shakur, I think Gervonta would brutally stop him. Uh, Devin, <laughs> Devin might have the slight edge over him. He might. But the reason why I say that is because Devin, he hasn't faced that many southpaws like Shakur. And the thing is, is like, if Shakur was in there with like a southpaw like Consacio, if if Consacio, if he was a southpaw that you know that can punch and he could also box on the inside to give Shakur problems, then that could have been a losable fight for Shakur because the problem that I have with Shakur is that he he hasn't faced that many southpaws in his career. Nor, if I'm not mistaken, I don't I don't think he's ever faced a southpaw. At, uh, 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 um, well, actually, no, he um, he fought Jamel Herring, but. Uh, like my point oh, is, yeah, is I like, think that's the only one. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the only yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my point is is that I think Chris Diaz may have been Southpaw too though. Uh, so I mean, it may have been those two. No, I don't I think I don't it may think, have been those two. I don't think uh Pitufo is a Southpaw. I think No, Chris Diaz is Orthodox. No, you're you're yeah. I think the only one he fought is Jamel Herring because yeah. Robinson is Orthodox as well. So I think yeah, because 
because Shakur throughout his entire career he's been fighting mostly orthodox fighters and that's my biggest problem with southpaw fighters that don't fight a lot of southpaws because once you get up to that oh high level, sorry yeah yes he did he fought the uh the one puerto rican guy he kind of looks like a oh, like felix felix carabao like felix carabao Carabay. yes him and then also the uh coda con Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Toka Khan Clary. Remember, Toka. yeah, he destroyed yeah. that guy. Though. <laughs> no, no, like, but, <laughs> but like he, like he needs, like he, he needs like a lot more veteran, high level, upper echelon southpaw experience. Because yes, you know, once you go in there with like a guy like Tank or somebody that could punch, um, especially from the southpaw school, like you know, that's just basically bad news. And uh, I think I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think Shakur he'll he'll be good with Tank once he gets that more high, higher tier experience just to feel good with that type of style because i don't i don't think anybody could ever prepare themselves correctly for gervonta but the best thing that you could do is find somebody that will emulate his style a little bit and then you can have those pieces yeah. shaped into your mind once you get into that fight with him because i would not want to say that shakur should just go after gervonta next i think with the right mindset if i'm shakur if i want to play you know if i want to play like my cards right would be like let me go after Lomachenko let me get him out the way and then I should go after Devin Haney if you're able to get that fight before he moves up in weight and after that you should go after Gervonta because I would agree yeah because I think though real quick I think um if before before you He's not going right up into title, right up to uh, number one, two, or three as far as the um, the rankings. He can afford to get a test out to see how he's going to acclimate his body to the styles and to the body types of 185. Granted, it's only five pounds more than where his fighting weight was before, but he knows more than we know that the guys who are fighting at 130 and 135 where they're cutting down from is a little bit different so yeah so i think i think what the best like fight schedule for shakur is like if he's going after straight well you know if he's going straight after like, the champions then Sh you know shakur and devon could very well happen very soon but if yeah. he's but if he's trying to get like a good fight in for 135 i think like him and Lomachenko would make like, the most sense because Loma, he doesn't have a belt. So, and I personally believe Loma doesn't deserve crap. So I think if I'm yeah. Shakur, you know, beat, you know, beat up Lomachenko, get, get him out of boxing completely. And then after that, you go after Devin Haney. And then, you know, like, you know, um, if he wants to go after Gervonta or any other top lightweight, maybe like a Frank Martin or whoever, I'm down for it. But I think, but I think like Shakur's end goal is to go after Devin Haney because if he can get Devin before Devin, you know, 
you know, moves up to 140, then that would make up the most sense because Devin Haney, he's undisputed. And that will be like a passing of what the torch between both of them, where they both respect right. each other and there's really no bad blood because they're both going to win, you know, you know, on both sides, you know, regardless of who wins or loses. So it benefits yeah. both of them We're to say, fight. yeah, yeah. So like, you know, if I'm Devin, I'd be like, yo, let me go, like, you know, let me go get this opportunity in with Shakur. And then regardless of who wins or loses that, like, you know, that's going to be padded on the history books, you know, forever. So I think um, now one thing I, I think I did see last night is when 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 looking back on Devin and Core's relationship from interviews to who up like everything accumulating up to last night, if we see a lot of questioning that Shakur received, it was very evident that they were forcing him into the call out of uh Lola Chico and Devin Hayes. Now I seen disappointment but I seen like, all right, I'll play the game with Shakur calling out Devin Haney and Loma Chamber. I seen disappointment because even in Devin Haney's response on, on uh, Twitter, like with the little emojis, it seemed like they had come to an agreement because they were both mutually saying the same thing as far as that fight will happen later down the line. And they eventually foreseen it to be at a heavier weight class. And granted, for all of the titles, even though now it's for all of the titles, I just, I, I don't think he wanted Devin Haney. It didn't. I don't. I, I didn't sense that energy at all from uh, from the post press conference interview. I mean, from from the post press conference interview, or from the post fight interviews in the ring. I didn't never sense the energy. I want Devin Haney next. I'm willing to fight him next right now. Da 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 da. Granted, he said, "Yeah, I'll fight Devin Haney. I'll fight Lomachenko next. Whoever got all the belts, yeah, I'll fight them." And but. He was even in the uh, Stay Ready boxing interviews. He was calling out Tank. He was calling out Loma. He wasn't really calling out Devin. They literally said, "Well, Devin Haney has all of the belts. Uh, you like to fight Devin Haney next?" That's literally a give me slash lead question, a lead line of questioning. If you know anything about law, you know. So when I look at that fight, it'll be a great fight out at thirty-five. But if the not excuses, but if the statements that Cora made about him struggling to make weight at 130 um, allowed him to miss weight at 130 and then announce and then announce moving up to 135, not announcing he's moving up to 135 and then missing weight, but the, the converse, the same should apply for Devin Haney. And I'm not saying that as a precursor so he can duck or get away from the fight. I'm saying that to say that Devin Haney has already told us that 135 has been too tough for him to make. And granted, he's fighting Cambosis because he's the only one who'd agree to fight him. So he has to force himself to make this weight again. But I think realistically, Devin moves up, Shakur moves up, and that leaves Tank, that leaves Frank, uh, wait, no, yeah, Frank Martin, um, no, um, Tank, Lomachenko, Frank Martin, uh, Chris Colbert will will eventually move up as well. Um, so I would love to see Devin versus Shakur. I do believe at the moment Shakur has the uh, the um, the out fight out fight you advantage, and Devin has the out box you advantage. 
at the moment because Devin has never conceded um, to to give up his mastery of range. Where Shakur, he's shown to be mentally weaker than Devin Haynes because he's been swayed by the audience. And that's, instead of focusing on only winning, he's been being convinced by his promoter and convinced by the audience to put on entertaining performances, which brings me the long way to think and saying that can be very, very, very dangerous if you're getting to 135 where everybody is harder than you. And then when you, you're you calling out Tank, like you for certain can be Tank and you can be often stated for certain that the biggest fight for him is him versus Tank. And we know that Southpaw versus Southpaw, one of the most lethal punches that a Southpaw could throw on a Southpaw is the right hook. And, Dev- and um, Kate Davis has one of the most lethal right hooks, if not the most lethal right hook in my So, all of that said, I feel Shakur, uh, I agree. Shakur, if if he wasn't going to move up and fight a bum immediately, he needs to fight Lone Machingo. But we also have to take into consideration that Kate ain't fighting nobody. You know, like Tank hasn't been fighting anybody. Tank is the lights in Aaron's prop. So when we look at Tank yeah. for what he is, we don't gain anything from even hyping up the core in Tank's fight. That's why I, I say that the Super Bowl in a contradiction to the OG Tano Loco, the Super Bowl at 135 is Devin Haney versus Shakur Stevenson because we have proof that both of these guys are fighting. And, and and will fight names because they had names. Um, let, uh, hey, Davis on on, on the other hand, all of those names I've asked you because it's either a matter of when he fought them or um or how his opponents fought them or what their weight was before they fought him because he's on record pulled up at least three phantom weights for fight at one thirty pounds. Three, not Hey Davis we're talking about, and one of them was uh, Cruz. Um, that he knocked down with a body shot. One of them was the guy that uh, hit with the right hook against the ropes. He never went down or out, but the ref stopped it there. Got that guy's name. And then there was another guy that he literally moved up from bantamweight. So I don't, I, I'm not on the Cervante Tank Davis hype train. I do respect his power. His power is undeniable. My issue though is, is his power tested? against actual people in his weight class because we don't see him fighting people his weight class too often. Then when he does we, we see performances like um uh um like Isak Cruz and uh and, and Julio Pistamboa. And when I said Cruz before it was not in reference to Isak Cruz, it was a reference to the guy who had a Mohawk that he fought. So that's my take on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I think that makes a really good case for how all three of these guys could easily let the biggest legacy fights for the best round robin between them. Because yes. honestly, like you know, let's just say if Gervonta just blows through both Devin and Devin and Shakur, I mean, you know, those fights are still going to be memorable to the point where. You know, they could very well fight each other like three, four times, you know, in a row. And I would like to see that because if you could have like a, you know, if you could have like a round robin tournament of like all your favorite fighters that should go up against each other, 
that would be like the best way to set it up. And I wish boxing had like, you know, worldwide tournaments, um, almost like a Tekken in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, have like a king of like the iron fist tournament, but have it like, have it set up like, you know, like, you know, like the, you know, have it set up like a high rollers type of fighting tournament where fighters just, you know, uh, they just, you know, consensually, you know, agreed to be part of a, you know, be part of like a tournament and, you know, they just go at it with each other and the winner, you know, gets a shot at a, you know, at a world title plus like a big, like, you know, big money prize or something like that, you know? I mean, this is minus. So you're hinting at something so phenomenal. And that's why I say, like, if they can condense all of the, the fancy bodies into one, then he gets the Muhammad Ali Super Six, the World Super Six. Yeah. Every time you see a card. But no, we, we get boxing politics. But that's yeah. that Super Six, the World Series of boxing. Like, like you got that. If you, you know, if you got rid of sanctioned bodies and boxing and everything was like completely marketized in like a league per se, where like every fighter has to fight the best opposition to be recognized. But if fighters want to get let the money, but on top of that, like become a champion in their own right, it should be set up like a tournament for when you work your way up to become a champion. So therefore, if you win these tournaments, kind of similar to, to how amateurs, when they win tournaments, they get they get elevated to be fighting at these high level state tournaments in which, you know, you know, like, you know, minus from like all the corrupt politics that goes on in the amateurs. But if you had a setup like that, boxing would be on fire like every single weekend and every single day because there would be yes. no there would be no excuse for a fighter ducking another fighter. If you're not a part of this tournament to, to claim yourself, you know, for fame and for high level legacy, then nobody can't say shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like people, people, people can't, people can't make this argument to say that this fighter ducked that other fighter. Cause you didn't put yourself in that position to be the best. But the reason why fighters do that and people that are dumb, casual boxing fans that make up all this weird, you know, boxing political movement of this fighter ducking another fighter is mainly because you have sanctioned bodies moving a fighter a certain way, and then you have corrupt promoters and management that works behind a fighter's team where the fighter themselves, they can easily become their own boss. You don't need to have a manager and promoter telling you what to do. You just have that because other people told you to have it. So if you want to become successful, you should run your own career you know, like it's your own business because this is your, like, you know, this is you fighting, you know, in the ring, you know, like, you no, know, nobody else is going to fight for you. So in my honest opinion, as a consumer, if I like you as my fighter, I should be the one promoting you because you're the one giving me the product. And if you're going to give yes. me, yeah, if you're going to give me like the best fights ever, I would like for boxing to be set up like that because I cause cause I do believe you could become that potential fighter to beat some high level dangerous fighters one day. But how but how can we know if that's gonna happen if you know if we get robbed of that opportunity through the corruption? Every time out at that. Yeah, yeah. Not not once or twice, but every time we see you. Like the Andre. Like yeah. when have we when's the last time we beat We haven't seen Judy Justice since Maybe uh, uh Willie Nelson, uh, or was it um like we we yeah maybe Willie Nelson like I haven't seen 
contested in a long time. And, and it's starting to bring that elite air down. And it, and it makes him look like a big domestic level talent because we only see him against Keelers and and McNeyers or whatever the people he's fighting. Like we literally only <laughs> see him against random UK guys. And in British level boxing is not world level boxing. No. I mean, that's been proven a long time ago. So it's like, I mean, it's funny because we all need these to see our fighters tested. It's funny because all these idiots say that boxing started out in the UK, but that's not true. It actually started out in like you know, ancient Egypt back in Africa. And, uh, you know, but the art of what the sport's been going on global for that time frame leading up to now. But when boxing revolutionized, it actually started here in America where all, yeah. you know, all of your best fighters were black American fighters, you know, predating after, yeah. you know, like, you now the um, American Civil War leading up to now. Oh yeah, the Sam Langfords, the Joe Gans, the um, Hank Armstrong, Hank the, Armstrong, all of those guys, like like all of those guys. I even the, um, I even, I even liked it when those guys were going up against each other like five, six times, you know, in a row. Like, you know, those fights were yes. like super old school, like retro, you know, backyard fighting. <laughs> yes, it was. Like you got to think, like Dick uh, Romano. Yeah, they fought like five, like, six times. Seven or like five or seven times. Like, what is that? Like, you don't even, there's not even a name for that. It's a series. Like, they have a series of blocks or, or a fucking uh, uh, anthology or whatever. Like, they have like literally a whole, a whole history together. Fucking trilogy. Where it's like, if you got that nowadays, Think about it. If, if, if Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford, like if Terrence Crawford is as good as we, we anticipate, if these guys fought five times, like what? Like, like how gifted would, would would we be as consumers? If if Wilder and Anthony Joshua fought five times, like what? Like yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like I I, I really don't feel. I, I feel like we. At most, we get one and dones nowadays, but we don't get these guys truly testing themselves and truly trying to see, truly trying to see someone prove who's the best. We got a bunch of people trying to get money and try to rob banks, and it's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the business of supporting that. I don't get paid from supporting that. I gain nothing from supporting someone who's just getting a lick or or or, or robbing the bank. I, I I don't gain from that as a consumer. And as a fan and as a lover of this sport, the only thing I gain um, is when I see the best fighting the best or someone on the rise who is perceived to be a potential great fighting someone who's very difficult to fight. We need to see fighters tested. And if we do not, all we have is hype. You can't, we have to start getting in the mind, mind state as, as, as the masses that you're not the goods in NBC you tested. Fuck how pretty you look when you when, when, when you oddly shuffle. Fuck how pretty you look when you're slipping against somebody who's basically a one-armed fighter. You're not the goods until I see you tested. You can't you can't be. Because anything other than that is you have potential and we all have potential. But the goods in boxing are gladiators. The goods in boxing are legacy fighters who will 
fight anybody, anytime, anywhere, and prove that by doing so. Yeah. I mean, that's why that I liked how I, how I was getting matched up in, you know, in wrestling because I had, like, literally all the best JV level, you know, slash varsity level, you know, opposition that I went up against. And, you know, but the good thing that wrestling gives you is that um, once you keep winning and you start progressing more, um, they start inviting you to all these tournaments. And if you also get into like, the journeyman program, you actually go up against like top, top, like top, top level notch, you know, wrestlers all over like, the country. And it's like almost like a UFC type of program. You know what I'm saying? Like you really, yeah. like, you know, you really start understanding what like, the styles better. And it's like that gets you ready for, you know, f- you know, for like the professional level. And, you know, but, like, you know, like I wouldn't say that's even comparable to the amateurs in boxing because it's like, journeyman is just simply just like a wrestling you know uh service program where you get into it and then you actually start you know being linked with like a bunch of stable mates that are around your weight class so i think like like you know um i think if boxing had that more if they had more of like a you know amateur to like you know i would still say like an actual system yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have like, have like, have like a, have like a, have like a youth professional boxing league type program where you know, but the young guys that are starting out, they have like a proper system coming into but the sport versus like trying yeah. to like, like you know, trying like like versus trying to take all these risky fights going out to like other parts of what the world like, you know, you going down to Mexico and fighting some guy that says that he has four or five fights, but. You know, like you know, to you, you know, like you know, throughout, you know, like you know, that entire fight. So, right, you know, boxing, boxing needs to have like a universal matchmaking system where you should have like a proper understanding of who this opponent is, who their trainer is, who their stable mates are, who, like you know, who, like who are they as a fighter, so you know that this opponent is a potential match for you for you to be a winnable you know, situational, you know, victory. Yeah. I I mean, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I hope that something gets put in place so that we're not wishful thinkers for, for the remainder of our time as fans of the sport, because something has to happen. Obviously, um, you're, 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 you're hinting at something very powerful because the Olympics have seen have taken note of boxing's uh, amateur controversy and their and their conspiracies. That said, like we need a better system to transition these kids from um, from pro. I mean, from amateur to pro, and and maybe the amateur system needs to be disbanded and rebuilt altogether. You know, um, it's it, it, the questions that we 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 never get to address. Like we, we we ask them, but we don't address them with the powers that be because it works for the powers that be, you know. Yeah, but if you had a setup where everything was left to markets to figure that out, and you know the business was set up by the fighters and the and the um, you know promotional networks, right? Just working, you know, between yes. each other. 
then that would be a lot easier for you as a fighter to get more fights instead of waiting up on what a promoter or a management has to say back to you to send you like a contract. Because like, why is it so easy for a UFC fighter to get a fight like every three to six months? But for a boxer, they have to be sitting on the shelf for six months to a year. And that's so much time being wasted out of your career where you could at least get like you know you could at least get at least like five to ten fights within that year like and what people don't get is in athleticism your career is not like um it's not like that of a lawyer your career is only your prime whereas people can work a career and and thrive even when they're past their laboring prime you're the athletes are trying to extend their prime so that they can um benefit or milk their their pro career and it's like if we're not seeing the best of them in that time and they're waiting on the shelves then then we're seeing their careers lapse and then that's why we see these old fighters keep trying to get shots at what they missed during their time and when you look at the mix much smart world their setup is much better which is why like uh, not a lot of people know like my, I love boxing. I prefer, and my my career path will be that of an MMA fighter. You heard it here first. Like, I will be a legend in, in mixed martial arts, if, if anything. Um, in MMA, you have one sanctioning body per organization, and that is the organization themselves. So you have fucking UFC. Dana White is in a Zufa head are the only ones you ask Bellator. The, the, the heads of Bellator are the only people you answer to outside of the State Athletic Commission. One MMA, the, the, the heads of there are the only people you ask. But when it comes to boxing, it's literally has been and always, well, not actually always will be, but has been and is to this day the Wild Wild West, where we have a sanctioning body, no overheading. I mean, no overarching commission that makes the rules for everybody, but a bunch of people just doing whatever the fuck they want. And it's almost like a a, um, a secret society. If you're welcomed in, um, you can't speak about the industry. And then, and what else would be uh, pushed to the outside and forced to try to find your own way back in? But if you don't speak of the uh, industry secrets, then you will thrive. Um, if you have the uh, proper setup, if you have the proper backing, if you have the proper business, and if you're worth um, someone who, I mean, I mean, if you're worth something, who I or a promoter or a manager can benefit off of. So it's like, it's such a dirty game, it's such a frustrating game that it makes it easier and simpler to understand UFC where you're like, all right, this guy lost last week, but he's still ranked this, and he's fighting that guy. That makes sense in my mind. Where you have the boxing, you're like, okay, this is the champion. It's mandatory of so-and-so, but for some reason, he's fighting the number seven. How, how in the hell does that make sense? You know? Yeah, that gets but me so pissed off. And then on top of that, like guys like Canelo, he could fight at catch weights, you know, at a world title level. And it's like... Canelo weight, 155. Like, what the like, fuck? How? <laughs> It's like, dude, like shit, shit like that just just gets me pissed. Just, yeah, it gets me so pissed off. 
But um, because you're a real fan, you're not a casual. There's nothing that like, and, and and I hate to say fan because there has to be some no a actual analyst. You're a boxing analyst because you're analyzing the sport and you're giving and you're providing commentary. Excuse me, providing commentary to apply to boxing's current events. So you're a boxing insider. So of course you're you're not liking the bullshit that you're seeing. And then me being a boxing professional, I'm not liking the bullshit that I'm seeing, but it's a game that we fell in love with and we're just constantly frustrated by it. Truly a lovely a lovely relationship. Yeah. I just wish boxing was set up like any other sport like the NBA or NFL. Like, you know, it would like literally boxing would be number one over every single sport. Like seriously, okay. you can you know, you know, if you could have like a perfect world of boxing, like boxing would be on fire like every single day. Like there would just be so many good fights from the men's and women's side. And then on top of that, you know, without the women, like even though that I love women's boxing a lot, but this two minute bullshit needs to go, but but there also needs to be like twelve round fights now. Like, you know, I wanna I wanna see like the full distance for both men and women, like you know, because like I be I be hearing like some of these weird like female boxing advocates saying that they want three minute rounds, but they don't want to go let the full distance, you know, feel like, you know, for like a world title fight. Like, you know, if you're going to be advocating for that, you should be going for like the same amount of rounds and minutes. It, like, you know, there shouldn't be no double standard because it's like just because you're like a woman doesn't give you that, you know, bypassing just to say that, you know, you can't go you know, two more extra rounds. <laughs> yeah. And, and I agree a thousand percent with that. I mean, I've been in the gym with women. I've been in the gym with national champions who are girls. Like they train like the guys, like they, they're not scared of two minutes. I mean, they're, they're not scared of three minute rounds. You know, the girls who are kind of advocating for two minute rounds or advocating for less time than the men, Again, that's a testament of character, merit, and your will as a fighter because there are people who are willing to go out there and fight for 15 rounds. But you guys have 10. And yeah. it's 10 two-minute rounds, and that's 20 minutes, and that's less than mixed martial artists, women, and men are fighting. But when you look at because mixed martial artists are fighting for 25 minutes or 15 minutes, right? Five five-minute rounds or three five-minute rounds. Yeah, I think – Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I think female MMA fighters fight the same minutes as men in they, the UFC. They right? do. They do. Yeah. And that's my point. I'm like, the only it's the only exception we get is in boxing. And again, we're in this wild, wild west where it's like every promotional company is its own monopoly. So they run their business how they like. Um, they can't be questions. They can't be penalized. It wasn't until the um, the ABC came at the WPA that we even knew that that there was something that could penalize. I mean, I mean that could penalize and 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 organ and organization in boxing. It was when they they were like, "Oh, there's payola going to this sports company for for rankings, and we're going to investigate this." Right. So before that, who was going to investigate Bob Arum besides the, the, the feds or who was going to investigate um, uh, Don King or, or, or Oscar De La Hoya or any of these guys, the zone, who's going to investigate these guys. Us as a boxing community had no idea because we're like, well, there is no head. 
But then the ABC, the American Boxing Commission, comes out and says, we're investigating them. Well, we need the American Boxing Commission to be the only boxing commission. That's the only way for us to succeed is if we have one, like, it's it's the the phrasing that you can only serve one master, right? If you have one leader, if you have one lawmaker, then there's only one God at that point, you know? And it makes the everything else fall into somewhat of a sleep or somewhat of an order. And we're not getting that because, again, it's a wild, wild west, you know? So I, I look at it from the girls' nuances of, of them fighting these little rounds. I look at it from the, the nuances of Hank being able to have three JV belts, WBA, and three different divisions <laughs> and never have to fight junior anybody. Vars- junior varsity belt. <laughs> Literally. JV. Like, so those WBA <laughs> belts that he was getting, he got three of them, 130, and never had to fight anybody. Not a not a number one contender, not like not a mandatory, like Gervonta, I, I just don't get it. Gervonta was never unified in all of those divisions. Right. And mind you, he he, was, he he got the IGF, I think, at 125 one, or 130. Uh 130. 130 against yeah, Jose so he had got that was his only real belt. And then what 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 happened with that? I just recall um, him he, not having the IBF anymore, and then yeah, I see he him got, um, He got stripped when he fought Liam Walsh, as he was supposed to. Oh, the, he, the he, um, he was supposed to. Oh wait, actually, you know, let me just take a look at Tank's box rec, but I know for like a fact. I think that, it might have been the weight. I think he came in overweight that time. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I remember he got that overseas. Yeah, fighting the Liam Leo. And mind you, Liam, Liam, like, come on now. He Liam, literally Liam. picked the title he won. <laughs> yeah, um, so right here, after the Jose Pedraza win, he had Liam Walsh uh, for the IBF Super Featherweight title. Oh, actually, yeah, um, it said, it, like, quote-unquote, it says on Boxtrack he made weight at 130, so I would assume... Oh, he went back to make it then. Yeah, that yeah. Must have been what he it probably was. he probably was given he was probably given like a reway, you know, like a yeah. a uh, reway, you know, try, you know, to to try to like, like what happened know. with Gamboa. Yeah, <laughs> and then after that, he fought Fonseca, and then from that point on, oh wait, actually, no, he probably did lose it. He lost it, and then he challenged Fonseca for the vacancy again, and then after that. He decided to go for the WBA, in which, wait, actually, no. No, Gervonta actually came in overweight in that fight, too, because it says right here yes. he weighed in at 132 pounds. So that following. Yeah. <laughs> so then that fight later with Quayar, that was for the WBA super featherweight title, in which Quayar. Yeah, Quayar. Continue, sorry. Yeah. I'll go back to that as soon as you're done with that. Yeah, because yeah, Cuellar, if I'm not mistaken, when he got smoked by Gervonta, um, yeah, this is uh, the title that he had from Abner Morris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is basically for the vacant title because Abner Morris defeated him back in 2016 and then leading up to this point. And look at his weight before that. Look at Cuellar's weight before that fight. Yeah, or, or, or the weight class. Um, he was uh, like, um, he was like 124 pounds leading up to 130 with Gervonta. 
thank you. And then look at the uh, the the cruelty spot. The cruelty stop with the body kind of forgot um, where where his first name was. But I think he fought the Quayle guy. You know, like literally, sixty guys that fought each other that lost to somebody that that they both lost to. But he fought at least three bantamweights or super bantamweights because the guy he knocked out against the ropes was a super bantamweight on paper. And, and, and like his last three fights, like one of his fights was one twenty-two. You got one guy who's one twenty-four. Who, who, who just came? Oh, Mario it's Barrios. Like, Mario person. Barrios. No, 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 not not even that recent. It was like before Gamboa. He was fighting a slew of guys. They were like back to back to back. It was this guy Cruz. I think it was Quayar. Yeah, Quayar was one of them because he fought Cruz. Yeah, and um. Was it Fonseca? Oh, no, it wasn't Hugo. Fonseca. Hugo. Was it was fight. Hugo. It was Hugo Ruiz. Yeah, you're talking Hugo about... Ruiz. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, That's Hugo. Exactly Hugo. He was saying. so small. <laughs> Did you see how skinny he was in that fight? I was like, come yeah, on. He looked, really? Yeah, but, but I also heard that he actually came in on short notice, right? If yes. <laughs> Most of his opponents. Yeah. There's always something to go on because Tank does this thing where I'm fighting so-and-so. Then that that falls through, and then he pulls out a no name, and it's the same thing with Ryan Garcia. That's why they 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 politic off of each other. But man, um, real quick, I just wanted to say, bro, it's a pleasure. Oh wait, what? I I I, I said it's a pleasure every time I talk to you. I say anytime you want me to hop on your platform, I'll hop on. Um, and same, I, I'm gonna need you to. I'm, I'm gonna start going live soon too. So I would love to have you on my platform as well. Yeah, for um, sure. I got to get out of here shortly. So uh, if, if, if there's a few more questions you want to hit beforehand, I'm down. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll cut out and you can, and I'll tap back into the uh, actual chat. But however you want to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I just, uh, I just wanted to kind of like finalize on. You know the rest of uh, everything that 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 will follow for 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 the near future for more upcoming boxing matches. But I think um, you know without the whole Shakur thing, I think Shakur he's gonna he's gonna have like a very tough road heading into lightweight. And then um, you know I can't I can't wait for you know the you know these um upcoming fights coming up soon. Um, October yeah. October is gonna be lit. First, the first of October, we we, we get Luis Neri. So yeah. Oh yeah. Like October the fifth, we Yo, get Luis Neri Luis. October first. Martinez oh. versus Ankar October second. If I'm not, I mean no, uh, October eighth. Um, oh yeah. And, and, and that's Martinez versus Ankar too. We get Wilder versus Elanius the fifteenth. All of those other fights the fifteenth. We get uh, um, Gary and Antonio versus Emmanuel Rodriguez October 29th. Chocolatino versus Estrada is later that year, and then we get anyway Paul Butler December. So yeah. we, we got a, a heavy October and a heavy. Yeah, I can't. I can't it's wait. October is gonna be lit. Oh, also, I think I think Jerron Ennis he's coming back too. Oh yes, how can we overlook that, Jerron Ennis? Yeah. So who, 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 who knows? We may get Ennis versus. Uh, yeah, hopefully, or something along those lines to set us up for that. But, yeah, um, I wanna. I'm excited. I mean, honestly, like, um, one more thing before we wrap up, like, if Boots, if he's lucky to get Errol Spence to fight him next, or 
get uh, your Dennis Ugas or Keith Thurman, then that's going to be a really, really good, you know, end of what the year fight for him. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think, all right, I, I do have one question for you. And this is something that we all should be thinking about, which I'm sure you've already thought about. So uh, because of the Daniel Kennehan, Bud, I agreed when they were signed, like, where do you think that he does? What do you have for this November 19th date that allegedly Earl Smith said, regardless, I'm fighting with or without Bud November 19th? What do you have from fighting? Two options. I got Keith and I got Virgil Ortiz. Boots would be my last option, but I don't see him fighting Boots at 147. I see him fighting Boots at 154. But yeah. who do you see him fighting November 15th? Because there's not enough time to promote for Bud. Um, I think Virgil would Hypothetically, be... if he doesn't fight Bud, sorry. Yeah, I think, I think like, the best opponents for Errol Spence would be definitely Keith Thurman. That would be the best fight ever. Uh, Virgil Ortiz would be like the best fight for him as far as him just blowing right through him and just getting him out of the picture. And then the least, you know, most difficult fight for Errol Spence would be Jerron Ennis because Jerron Ennis, yeah, like regardless of what people say, like, oh, he's not ready. No, Jerron Ennis, he is a very difficult style matchup for Errol Spence and even though that arrow, he hasn't fought that many southpaws like a guy like Ennis, because I don't like I don't consider Jerron like it. Yeah, I don't I don't consider no. I don't consider Jerron Ennis a orthodox fighter, primarily because he like you know he naturally fights like a southpaw. He doesn't he doesn't really go into orthodox, and he said it himself. You know he doesn't he doesn't you know, come out a certain stance. He he basically fights however he feels he wants to fight. So with that right. on top of being a being a switch hitter, I think that's a very deadly style matchup for Errol Spence because he knows that, you know, whatever Boots will do to him, he's gonna learn from Errol Spence's style. And then once like once Jerron Ennis figures him out, it's like that very, very big game changer type of fighter where you know, he has a lot of power just like Spence. And if he hits Spence, you know, at the right place at the right time, like, like you know, Jerron Ennis nope. is, yeah, Jer, uh, Jerron Ennis will give Errol Spence, you know, the most difficult matchup ever. Preach. Hey, I, I literally have to put it this way to see the same thing. In this scenario right now, as far as what I can see. Now, can and will are two different things. Can and will are two different things. So we have to see them in there to actually know what will happen. But that is the most even welterweight match there is to have. So I agree a thousand percent with that. The most difficult of the three, Keith Thurman and, and Virgil Ortiz and Boots, would be Boots. Um, who, who, who you got second would be my last question. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would I have for who? Second most difficult. Uh, I mean, sorry. Yeah, second most difficult behind Boots for, for EJ out of Virgil Ortiz and, and uh, Keith Thurman. Uh, I'd probably say Keith Thurman because Thurman, regardless of what anybody says, like he could still hit. Proven. 
and he can he can he can give you like the most difficult fight ever and you know he's such a good mover like that that'll that'll make that'll make that fight very interesting for Errol Spence because if Errol Spence if he can't if he can't find a way to to cut off that ring against Keith Thurman and Thurman's able to just blast him with that jab and and basically right hook counter him which I think Errol yeah, Spence right hook left hook and get out of dodge yeah <laughs> problems but but I don't but I don't see that being successful for too long because once Thurman gets hit especially to the body Errol Spence he's just going to use that stabbing jab and it's just going to work perfect in his favor where Keith Thurman once he starts you know getting hurt to the body and then he starts you know becoming more you know immobilized by by Spence's pressure I um I think Keith Thurman he's going to start basically going into like you know um he's going to go into uh survival mode where his body's not going to allow him to go like to go blow for blow and I think Errol Spence he's going to favor that you know type of fighting like fighting style and that's the only reason I didn't uh I
that's why there was no announcement made. So that's why I was kind of letting people know sometime in October, sometime in October. Um, we we agreed to everything. They just didn't uh, sign or in the contract. So um, right now, with we're staying right, uh, I just got that sparring this morning and um, probably going to take a nap before I get my other workout in. But we're going to be ready for the next, the, the next go around. Uh, I'm not, I've never had a big interest in being built. I've always, like, maybe it's an overestimate, an overestimation of ability, but I want to be tested to see who I am. Hence the, in my debut fight in a 4-0. And, and, um, but I'm not shying away from tough fights. That's not the thing. That's not the name of the game. The idea is fight anybody anywhere, anytime. That's just who I am. You can focus on being built after, maybe after I'm proved wrong or something like that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that said, you'll, you'll be the first to, uh, uh to uh, like i'll dm you or or something like that so you can, so you can know and you'll see the announcement or you know i'll, I'll definitely post it on once we have a for sure and i'll definitely post it yeah most definitely man uh i can't wait for that to happen and uh i'll definitely do the promoting on my end to help you out i definitely appreciate that man and once uh uh Fiper upload uploaded like just so you know like LDC family like all my family people I'm cool with like y'all don't gotta worry about asking me to upload a fight like if y'all can find a fight upload that shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like <laughs> yeah, upload I, that shit. I don't give a fuck what the result is it's it's part of the game it's all entertainment like that's yeah. when people act like like this is something <laughs> other than like a, a movie or or South Park or you laugh, you cry, and clap. One of the, one of the three, but it's all in the you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I just, uh, I just basically laugh like about that when people people talk about that. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, man, this is part of the game. You win some, you lose some. But like Craig said, said, fight another day, <laughs> you know. So, but thank you again, brother. I ain't gonna hold you too long. I appreciate. You let me on your platform. I appreciate the boxing talk. I love boxing. I love people who love boxing. So um, enjoy the rest of your day. And and I'm I'm still in on YouTube, so I'll I'll be here for your closing words too. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. Yep. So uh, next time. Yes, sir. Talk with Peace. you later. All right, all right. We are set. Uh all right. Well, first of all, thank you to Mr. Combat Toolbag. Uh, appreciate the good old chop session. Um, until we meet again, and Mr. Skywalker Boxing, a.k.a. Mr. Uh, Tim Maze, out of that good old New Mexico, out of Albuquerque. Uh, thank you for coming through. Hopefully we can get together soon. And shout out to Mr. Jose Diaz. Thank you for coming by. Uh, shout out to everybody that came through in this amazing live stream. We are going to keep the grind going. We're going to work our way back up to 4,000, if not higher. Shit, we'll even get up to like a million. Who knows? But the future is bright for this channel. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to doing more boxing um, insider talk very soon. Uh, man, I wish I got paid to go out to a lot of these fights because, man, I'd be... I'd be asking like all the most difficult questions ever to everybody, but 
Yeah, man, I always like breaking down all these fights. And, uh, you know, I love talking with everybody, combat, everybody, man. Like, this is what boxing conversation, sports talk should be, not no uh, destructive arguments back and forth. It's just, you know, peaceful, interactive discussions. So um, I appreciate you, Combat Toolbag, uh, uh, you know, Skywalker, you know, everybody, man. So, you know, shout out to the mighty, mighty, L-D-B-C, and shout out to the T-W-T, shout out to everybody that loves the sport of boxing, and all the hardcore fans out there, and um, yeah, man, that's about it, uh, until next time, man, we got a lot more fights to talk about real soon, and uh, I'll catch you guys very soon on the next one, so thank you very much, and I'll see you guys later, bye.